welcome back to Getting to the Top, where we interview transformational leaders about their leadership journey. And today I have the honor of interviewing Mrs. Sandra Glasgow. I have known her for a, a number of years and admired her from a distance. She is the founder and managing director of BizTastic, BizTactics Limited, a co-founder and manager of Jamaica's first angel investor network, First Angels JA. Founder and Managing Director of RevUp Caribbean, a virtual business incubator. She's a senator representing Jamaica, the World Business Angels Forum, and Vice President for the Caribbean at the Latin America and Caribbean Business Angels Network. She serves on several boards and has been an independent director of the NCB Financial Group Limited since 2016 and the National Commercial Bank Jamaica Limited since 2002. She's also Director of Medical Disposal. Disposables and Supplies Limited, Stanley Motor Limited, DRT Communications, one of our favorites, Sci-Fi Studios Jamaica. She's the chairman and trustee of Smart Retirement Fund, trustee of NCB Pension Fund, chairman of the board of the National Crime Prevention Fund, vice president of the Students Loan Bureau and a director of the Multicare Youth Foundation. She was Jamaica's Eisenhower Fellow in 2000 and is a member of the Global Network Council of Eisenhower Fellowships USA. Her career has spanned over the past 40 years and has centered on business development and supporting growth aspiring firms. She's played pivotal roles in developing Jamaica's entrepreneurial ecosystem, something that the rest of us look on with, with envy from the rest of the region. I first knew her when she led the private sector organization of Jamaica as a CEO, and she created a number of innovations there, including 50 under 50 business leaders shaping Jamaica's future. The awards program was responsible for the induction of Mrs. Lona Myers, the first woman to be inducted into the PSOJ's Hall of Fame. Welcome, Sandra Glasgow. Thank you so much. Is there anything else that we should add to that? Because that oh was gosh, no. All of her accolades. Huh? That's, just, that's just starting the conversation. I mean, sometimes I wonder, what am I doing? <laughs> Too much. That's it. But, you know, you really, know, what aren't I you doing? You, no, I tell you, uh, you know, I at, at age 67, I still have a lot of energy and passion. And that's what fuels me to do all of those things. And I really enjoy doing all of them. You know, I saw that you'd been married for 47 years. And I was like, oh, she has been married for 47 years. She barely looked like a, she reached 47. I was a <laughs> child bride. <laughs> <laughs> well, it worked really well. Yes, yes. Now I oh, have an incredible fun. husband and um, two daughters and five granddaughters. Lovely. Who, who really are just my heart. You know, I, I love them dearly. Beautiful. So how did this start? Like, how did you how did you come into becoming this powerhouse of a woman? Because I mean, I'm, I have I swear to you, I've been in awe of you for decades from the time I moved to Jamaica and I would just yeah. see you and you were doing so many incredible things and continue to do so many incredible and transformational things so tell yeah. me how did this start were you a little girl how many siblings did you have and what did yeah. you think you were going to do so I'm the first born in my family <clears throat> my mother uh, my parents were married early <laughs> my mother was I think 18 and she got married wow. um so I'm the first born in my family. And I think I was nurtured early to be a leader. You know, when I think back to my childhood and my three siblings will attest to this, I was always, I was always goal oriented, very outspoken, stubborn and 
independent and perfectionistic, you know? Okay. So, I mean, I, I kind of say I was, I was born a leader really, <laughs> you know? So, so, and, and how, who was the first person to recognize this? Was it you who just said, you know what, I'm just going to take over or was it that somebody saw it in you and nurtured it? Yeah, that, you know, I'm very much my mother's child. Um, my mother, you know, despite being divorced at age 26, I think, uh, with four children born one year after the other, um, you know, I, I had in my mother a real role model. And mm. I think she was the one who nurtured my leadership qualities. I don't remember her pushing me in any way. She, she allowed my natural talents to shine through. I do know, however, that at a very early age, I was left in charge of my three siblings. Wow. Um, because my mother had like, at, at one time, I remember she had three jobs, you know, she would leave her day job to go teach in the evenings. And then when she came home, she had a project working on, you know, so I was cooking meals for my siblings at age nine nice. and insisting that my brother and my two sisters do their homework and the chores that they were assigned. And today they still talk about my bossiness. So <laughs> where it all started, I suppose. Something that we need to nurture in more young women, for sure. Yeah. So you're, you're coming up and then you decide to study. Well, what were your interests in school? Because, you know, I was really surprised to learn that you studied zoology. But what, yeah. what were your interests in school? Well, I was very much um, interested in the sciences. I went to St. Hughes high school um, and uh, spent, you know, I, I was there until I did my um, GCEs. Um, I did three in fourth form and five in, in fifth form. And I was always interested in the sciences, although I also did Spanish and French. I love French. So, um, you know, it was natural for me to, to, to do the sciences. That's, mm -hmm. those were my interests. Um, and my mother at the time was the assistant registrar at the University of the West Indies. And I decided that I wasn't going to do my A-levels. I was just going to go straight to do my N1s mm -hmm. in natural sciences. So that's what I did. At the beginning, I wanted to do medicine. But then I sort of saw that this was a real rat race, people trying to get into medicine. And then I saw examples of, of friends, you know, uh, family friends in medicine who were always working too hard, you know, yeah. they didn't have time for their family and so on. So I decided, nah, medicine is not for me. So I, I, I loved zoology and botany. And um, my, my, you know, major for marine biology and applied botany at university. Yeah. And then um, I, I got married very early. I got mm -hmm. married actually while I was a student. And um, I remember being pregnant in my final year. Oh, wow. And, and losing that baby. Um, you know, at 32, I had a stillborn baby. And that really shook me up. You know, I was, I was very, 
I was depressed for like a year, you know. But then once I had my children, um, I think they were like my my oldest daughter, Lori, was she would have been um, maybe nine or six. I can't remember how old she was when I went to do my MBA. So I did the executive MBA at the University of the West Indies as well. Fabulous. So, you know, seeing that your mom, you know, got married and, and divorced, that, that didn't deter you from an early marriage yourself. No. And and actually, I'll tell you, um, Neil was my neighbor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and we didn't have a fence. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but, but, you know, my mother, um, I think Neil understood what my mother uh, was looking for in my husband mm-hmm. and and she saw those the, the, the qualities that he had and I'll, I'll tell you it's such a joke that um, women used to come with us on dates nice <laughs> you know and, and, and he says she's still coming with us on dates so <laughs> no no I, I was daunted at all and um, he was my real my first real boyfriend and um you know so it's it's been a wonderful journey with him you know I can imagine and and certainly to be able to do that to to get married during school to be pregnant during school to to lose that baby and then to come back and you know to continue all of that means that you have to have this incredible support system yeah, and I'll tell you, it's a story I tell all the time, especially to, to young women, because I was a student and um, Neil expected me to do all the housework. Mm. And I remember one day saying to him, listen, I am, I am at school. I have to do, I have lots of work to do. So I can't bear all this burden of the housework. Um, and I'll need you to share it with me. So what I'm suggesting that you make the bed, you wash the dishes and you take garbage. I will take out the garbage. I will do everything else. And he stumped his foot and he said, I will not be domesticated. <laughs> I said, okay, all right. So I didn't make the bed. I didn't wash the dishes. And I didn't do the take out the garbage. And so the dishes piled up, garbage started smelling. And I would just sort of dust off my side of bed when I got in <laughs> at night. And after maybe a week, he said, this isn't working. So um, he started doing all those things. And, I, and the joke about it is that today, after 47 years, he's still making the bed, still <laughs> washing the dishes, and still taking the garbage out. So Very nice. I mean, I had the support, and I tell you, my husband is my biggest cheerleader. Mm-hmm. So he um, tells me all the time, you know, how proud he is of me. I don't think he thought that the person he was marrying would turn out to be this, this woman, but He's incredibly supportive of, he's been supportive of everything that I've ever done. That's amazing. But but those were very progressive views during that time. I mean, you know, to just 
sort of realized, listen, if I'm going to be able to live and become my full potential, I cannot be burdened with absolutely all of the responsibilities. No, no. And, you know, I, I also tell people that I was really blessed because when um, Lori was eight, we, we, we got a helper called Pauline. Pauline stayed with us for 32 years. And so she was sort of the, the anchor in my household and allowed me to do all of those things. And I remember of when the, the girls were young, they would call me um, and say, oh, Pauline said we should do this or that and we don't want to do it. And I said, well, Pauline is the boss. While yeah. I'm at work, Pauline is the boss. <laughs> and, um, you know, they love her dearly. And she, she was also one of the reasons that I was able to, to do all the things, to travel and to do all the things, because she took over the management of the household. She was, she's one of those women that didn't need instructions. She knew what to do from day one. She did it. And I appreciated it. You know, she was Wonderful. really part of our family. Yes. But I think that's part, that's part of the challenge that we face now, even, yes. you know, even still is that, you know, having a strong support network and understanding the things that you need to put in place and the sacrifices that you need to make to be a leader at that level. Yes. And being willing to to put those those pieces in place. Yeah, you, you can't have it all. Women can't have it all because we are expected to do certain things. You know, even yeah. my husband, he still expects me to do things. And I would say, really now? <laughs> <Don't need> me? <laughs> can't you do it? You know, your hand joint shirt or something like that. Um, but it's still it's still part of the expectation that as as mm -hmm. a woman, these are the things that you do. And I really, in my career, I've pushed back against men who expect me to take the minutes and who expect mm -hmm. me to to do certain things. And 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 really, you know, I, I've I've fought. I mean, it hasn't been an intense fight, mm -hmm. but I've had to really. Um, address those gender stereotypes that I have come yeah. across. I remember one boss, I shan't say who he is, you know, um, he was on his cell phone as walking into his office and he says, here comes my sexy VP, Glasgow. <laughs> I, I said to, you know, when he finished the call, I said, sir, I'm not your sexy VP. I am a professional, I'm doing my job, please never refer to me like that again, you know? Yeah. So I, you know, I, I have pushed back intensely because it, it really annoys me when men decide that, you know, you are the sex object or you are the secretary or you are the yeah. this or that. Or you I do the workouts work, you know? Yeah, I, I really push back and I have left jobs because of those stereotypes yeah yeah and you know I think it, it is it is a lot of uh, other people's expectations but it's also the stereotypes that we keep for ourselves because there are expectations and you know there are expectations that you're at every PTA meeting there are expectations that you are the one doing the drop-off you're the expert you know absolutely and, and you, yeah and you have to kind of shed those things so for example yeah. my husband drops off our, our daughter to school and so the teacher will message him and won't message me. And sometimes I'm yeah. like, wait a minute, 
I'm still yeah. mom. And I'm like, you know what? Absolutely, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. And Neil used to do the homework. I, I didn't, I wasn't a homework mom, you know. So um, yeah, you 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 I think you have to understand your own place in yeah. in society and you have to model what you think it ought to be. Yeah. And um, you know, I I have two daughters and they are in much the same position and um you know they push back as well yeah but <clears throat> i am a supportive grandmother because i really understand the pressures that women mm -hmm. face having to build careers and, yeah. and nurture their families as well and deal with men who may not always you know not to say that my sons-in-law aren't supportive and do some of the things but they could do more for sure <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing huh? i think there's this expectation and you know i i see it as well when you know men do the slightest thing and it's like oh my gosh he's so amazing he's helping and i was like you know he's babysitting and i was like no he's parenting and <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah he's also yeah. responsible for this little human we've brought into the absolutely. world absolutely absolutely yeah absolutely yeah. yeah but i think it's you know I think the thing that surprises me most is how inorganic this process is of us coming into equality, that it really is taking, you know, a gargantuan effort for us to kind of, you know, break down the stereotypes and to, to get into, get a seat at the table. Yes. And you have a seat at so many different tables. So you have to tell us, so where did you start in the career and how did you end up in all of these amazing rooms to, to yeah. be on these boards and all of these things? Well, it's interesting, the progression of my career, because my first job was in my father's business. Um, even though I had done a degree in sciences, he had always wanted me to join the, the family business. So as soon as I graduated, I had a job as general manager of a food manufacturing company. And then later I became a director. Uh, I think my title was sales director of the families owning and drapery manufacturing business. I knew nothing about business when I, when I got my first job. I had to go to Institute of Management and Production, IMP, to learn about marketing. I had to buy that big um, accounting book and you know go through it because I did none of that at, at high school or university. So that was a real, I think that was a turning point for me um you know having to run a business and uh, um and learn about business so when i left my father's business after four years in 1983 i uh, worked at the inter-american institute for cooperation and agriculture ICA. it's a specialized institution in the oas system i, I became a national professional and I, I was writing manuals and training trainers to train micro entrepreneurs in business management. Nice. So I had to write these manuals really for people who were, you know, sort of semi-literate and, mm. and simplify the concepts as much as possible. That was a really exciting project for me. I wrote three manuals, um, starting and financing a small business managing a small business, marketing small business products. I also wrote a train the trainer 
manual and train these trainers. Um, and then CAST, the College of Arts, Science and Technology at the time, was setting up an entrepreneurial extension center with help from the Canadians. They sought me out because of the work I had done at ECA to mm. come to, to um, work alongside the Canadian director. And, um, you know, that, that was interesting because at ECA I was earning tax-free money in US dollars. I was driving a car with diplomatic plates sometimes, you know. And, um, and then Cass came and offered me this paltry <laughs> salary. And I said to them, well, listen, um, I really am interested in this job but we'll have to, you know, look at the remuneration. So they actually agreed to, yeah. to um, they didn't know what they were agreeing to, by the way. They agreed to um, my proposal to take 10% of the revenue, any revenue that I would generate. Oh, fabulous. And before, I, I think by, you know, two or three late years later, I was earning more than president of the college but that's another story so so being at the entrepreneurial center um was really exciting I, I generated a lot of revenue for the university and obviously for for myself and that led to um you know thinking about i've been on some study visits thinking about building an incubator in jamaica mm. So by 1995, I conceptualized the idea of the Technology Innovation Center, and I set about finding resources to help me write a business plan for it so we could raise the funding. I sort of made 40 copies of that plan and I pounded the pavements. You know, I, I would walk with copies in my car and anybody that I meet that, you know, I could convince them to help us. So we did get, um, actually the government agreed that we could, it would take a loan, a, 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 a government guaranteed loan from the CDB, and we got a matching grant from the Canadians. We built this incubator. Um, I think it was the first Chinese company, actually, they were based in Trinidad, and they were the first Chinese company to come to Jamaica to build a building. They completed it in like 10, nine months, record time. Um, and before we opened in 2002, um, we had a visit from His Royal Highness Prince Philip. And, wow. and then we had a big opening ceremony. So in all in all, I spent 20 years at UTEC, between CAST and UTEC. Um, I left in 2007 as Senior Vice President for corporate services. Um, and then I was recruited to become the CEO of the PSOJ and I spent five and a half years there. And that was also a really um, productive time for me. You talked about um, the 50 under 50 business leaders shaping Jamaica's future and inducting the first female in the hall of fame, <laughs> you know. Um, so it, it's been a, it's been a, an interesting progression. When I left PSOJ, I started my own company. And then um, a year later, 
with Joe Matalon and JJ Gwack started First Angels Jamaica, and then starting Revop Caribbean in 2021. So, you know, it's all come together. You know, I didn't, I didn't think when I started um, in my father's business that I would end up doing all of this in entrepreneurship development, but. It, it, every job that I had led me to the next door. Wonderful. And so, I, I mean, I think for me, I'm seeing a lot of women pursuing entrepreneurship because they're not finding the spaces in traditional industry. But I also feel like we're seeing a lot of a, a, a brain dream of, of women, you know, when we don't have enough women getting to the highest levels within yeah. sort of established businesses. Um, so how do we get more talent both into entrepreneurship and women yeah. deciding on their own futures as well as maintaining more women in traditional business and getting to the c-suite how do we do how do we do both of those and what does it require oh gosh it's it's tough <laughs> i mean i one of the key things i learned um was how to navigate the corporate space as a female leader. It's, it's not easy, you know? And I always had to remind myself that I could create my own future. Mm. Um, so I think entrepreneurship is one of those areas that, you know, allows women to create their own future. And um, I, I think there are, there are some things I, when when I talk to young women, you know, I I often say to them, listen, the first thing is um, that you need to um, be competent at whatever it is you are doing. So, of course. you know, um, and and I think that's that's where men sometimes you know get away they're probably not the most competent but because they have their networks and mm -hmm. they have their people looking out for them so I also um really encourage women to to create their their female networks mm -hmm. and you know I've, I've spoken at at conferences about this and what I always say and I, I mean I, I'm saying it's on a podcast now, so it's not so covert, but I, I kind of work covertly um, mm -hmm. to, 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 to bring women to the fore, you know, mm -hmm. I am, because sometimes when you declare yourself a feminist, mm. and declare your mission, <laughs> then the men find a, a way to shut you down kind of thing. Right. So yeah. I, I, I kind of work covertly if I, if, you know, if somebody says, um, you know, I, I, I'd like you to suggest some people to sit on a board. Yes. I said, okay, fine. And I'll give them up a, a list of six people, four of whom are women and most competent, <laughs> you know, it, yeah. it's kind of my way. I am always really trying to, to push women into and, and to not just to suggest them as, as people who are competent to do a job, but also to push them into improving their competence, to keep yeah. find their passion and to keep learning 
to learn yes. as much as they possibly can, you know? And that's worked for me, turning my yeah, when you talk, knowledge. Yeah, when you talked about um, yeah. creating those manuals, there's nothing, and simplifying information, there is nothing so powerful in learning as having to teach somebody else and having Absolutely. to simplify it. That's how you know you know it. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I say to my team all the time, if you can't explain it to your granny, you don't know it. Yes. Right. So yeah, so I I I I that's that's one of the things I encourage women um to do. I also encourage them to really try to achieve that work-life balance because yeah. they're you know they're not doing themselves or their families any good if they are suffering from burnout. So yeah. you know, maybe maybe the job as you know the CEO job in a huge um, organization might be something you want to do later in life, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, um, so I think also finding a supportive life partner is really important because yeah. that's what really gives you the space yeah. to, to get things done. Um, and, you know, know that perfect isn't the enemy of good. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's okay to, to, um, <laughs> to, you know, strive to, to achieve perfection, but really, um, sometimes it's, it's elusive. But you talked about being a perfectionist and sometimes I think yeah. that's the trap that women find themselves in is yep. that they're so busy yep. chasing perfection yeah. that good enough isn't, you know, you, you're so far past good enough and yeah. what you need in a particular situation is good enough to be yeah. able to move. And, and, and men that. are generally, you know, better, easier at good enough and then they move yes. on. And sometimes yes. not even good enough and they still move on. And they still move on. So I, I mean, I am, I, I have to sort of suppress those perfectionistic tendencies a lot. It's, it's, it's maybe the, the one thing that I struggle with, you know? Um, so yeah, because I am naturally as a Capricorn, <laughs> you know, I am. I, I think those are some some of my natural um, personality, um, you know, issues that I have yeah. to deal with. You know, but so. I think it's really important for us to, you know, as leaders, to to sort of yeah. know who you are and understand what your blind spots are, and I think Absolutely. especially for for diverse candidates who aren't in the rooms, you know, who, who are never, who are rarely represented as, as the yeah. majority in the room. It's so yeah. important for you to know who you are and what are the things that are preventing you from moving forward. When you talked about, you know, negotiating that agreement to say, listen, you know, the salary that you're offering isn't what I need, but if you give me 10% of of the revenue that I raised, that is you making an investment in you and betting on you hard. Absolutely. And, and then getting them to come on that journey. And so I feel like we don't get, you know, I still see a lot of women who apply for jobs and then they get an offer and they don't negotiate. Yes, they don't negotiate. And I mean, I, when I think back to that, that job interview, there are about 10 people in the room, <laughs> you know, and, um, <clears throat> I remember Dr. Sangster saying to me when they made this offer, will you make a lifelong commitment to this college? And I thought to myself, hmm, 
this is what you're offering me and you want me to make a long-term commitment. So, you know, when I, when I, you know, to their credit, when I made this, this provide this, this alternative, they didn't see the risk in it mm -hmm. and, um, and, and agreed. And that's really how, you know, I, I tell you, a, a lot of people at the college were very jealous of what I had negotiated mm -hmm. um, because they couldn't see, they didn't have the vision that I had. And mm -hmm. I could see that an entrepreneurial center in a college of higher learning could be the way that not only students learn about entrepreneurship, but all the small business people outside. So, I mean, I, I meet people every day who pass through those courses we, we offered from the Entrepreneurial Center, you know, mm -hmm. how to start a small business and succeed, how to do marketing, how to do accounting, how to manage your team. And we earned a lot of money from those, from those courses. And I, I, I remember going to, we didn't have facilities of our own. So I remember going to some of the departments and saying, can I rent space? from you and they say rent mm -hmm. you just want to you want to book the space I said no I want to rent it mm -hmm. <laughs> you know um, because they didn't have an entrepreneurial tendency mindset yeah mindset. so I mean I said no no I'm going to rent it I mean we had the, the our office attendant I said this I can offer you this gig to come back in the after work and serve tea and coffee and make you know make the sandwiches and i will pay you mm -hmm. um, so so everybody benefited yeah um, we had resources like nobody else had because we had that entrepreneurship that entrepreneurial mindset you know so i think that you really it, it really starts from your own how you see yourself as you mm. as you put it so well and what the possibilities are mm. and, and, and really making everybody understand what your vision is and how you are going to help lead everybody else towards achieving that vision, you know, getting everybody aligned and moving with you. And I think that's, that's a skill that we, uh, when I look at a lot of women, they're, they're afraid to, to really you know, put that out there. And, and some of the men are, um, you know, intimidated by that. But as I said, you just have to, you know, if it's not working, move on. <laughs> you know, I love that idea of playing to your strengths, even if it is that you're being underestimated and that is the strength that you carry. You know, yes. being able to operate covertly and being able to bet on yourself. So that if somebody doesn't believe in you, you take that and run with it as an opportunity to create a whole different revenue stream. And thinking about the work that you're doing in an entrepreneurial way so that you're creating these win-win scenarios. And again, getting more people along with you. I think that that is so, so, so um, visionary and having these limitless possibilities for yourself. And if somebody yes. else doesn't see it, it's almost to your benefit. 
because then you have the strength of that negotiating position. Absolutely. You have the opportunity to prove them wrong, you know, yes. and, and yes. to show what you are capable of, you know, and that's what's happened to me. I mean, I, I, I don't think I, I have, I have never actually gone out to, to, in fact, there was a time when I left my father's business, I was looking for work and I couldn't find it. Mm. And the, the way I ended up at Eco was actually interesting. I don't know if we have enough time to talk tell about me, that. Tell me, tell me, I have to know. No, but, but it was because I had, I had left my father's business. My, my husband actually had been urging me to, to stay home and look after our two daughters. And um, he was nagging me so much that I said, okay, I'm going to do it. I hated it. <laughs> because... <laughs> I hated it because it was boring. It wasn't challenging. I would take my children to after school activities and I would have to suffer through listening to these mothers share gossip, which I don't do, you know, and it was terrible. And so one day my neighbor said to me, she says, she worked at the says, you know, we're having this conference. And we need somebody to address envelopes. Mm. At the time, my husband was giving me a, a, a stipend, $700, I remember. <laughs> and I could go down to Lee's Fifth Avenue because we lived on South Avenue. I could go down to Lee's Fifth Avenue and spend that $700 one time, right? Right. And, yes. and then I would, I would not have enough money to put gas in the car, so I would say, but he give me some money to put gas in can and he give me this long lecture about money management. <laughs> so my, <laughs> so my, my neighbor comes to me and she says, we have this job. Um, it's a two week job paying $250. This was 1980, 83, 200 or 84, um, $250 a week for two weeks. <laughs> and I thought $500 for $700 is $1,200. <laughs> <laughs> I said sure so I went and Raquel in three days I had completed the two-week project nice uh, it was to address these envelopes right mm -hmm. and then I, so I said to my boss who was an American woman Jan Hurwich McDonald I said Jan I'm done she says oh all right so why don't you go um, and, and we want to do gift baskets for the wives of the delegates. Go, go get the stuff for the gift baskets. So I went and I went to Think Jamaica, I bought the baskets, I bought the rum, I bought, you know, and I put together these gift baskets, had to, you know, work with the people in the hotel to put them in the rooms and, you know, dress it up with some bandana. I said, so week one, I'm done. Um, Week two was actually the conference. Uh, and uh, uh, I said, well, can I go there? I didn't really have a job, but when, mm -hmm. I, when I went down to the conference center, they had some liaison officers from the Ministry of Foreign Affairs registering delegates from all over the, the, the um, Latin America and the Caribbean. And there was this long line. It was a real bottleneck because people, the, the liaison officers would have to go through the list to find the names and 
So I knew all the names of all the people because I had written all the addresses. Yes. And I had and I had created gift baskets for their wives. Yes. So I went, I would go up to the town and said, Oh, here is Pedro so and so. This is, you know, and I'm trying to help the liaison officers to remove this bottleneck. Yes. Well, they registered a protest against me because I was infringing on their job. But I, I saw what I was doing. An opportunity. An yes. opportunity. Yes. And to get yes. the simple things along. So my boss was very impressed. Um, at the end of the conference, I got a letter from the director general, um, Monsieur Bruyard, and Jan said, would you like a job as a national professional? Wonderful. Send me your resume. <clears throat> I sent her my resume, and in 1984, I was hired as a national professional in the ECA office, going from unemployed to earning US dollars and buying my groceries in Miami. I mean, you know. <laughs> so Fabulous. It, and yeah, was that, so the, it, was that the key to how, how you get noticed for all of these boards and everything else? It's just being willing to see something that needs to be done and jumping in, jumping in. and jumping mm. in and doing it because yeah. I'm a doer right I'm a yeah. Capricorn I can't help myself <laughs> <laughs> I'm a doer but I always I tell my female you know mentees I say listen you the first job is to be competent and I mean it doesn't even matter look where I am a science girl and this is mm -hmm. where I end up. But I took the time to learn about business. Mm -hmm. And I'm still learning, you know, and it's a lifelong effort to learn. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my goodness, Sandra. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed so much hearing this story. And I've enjoyed so much having this conversation with you. And you lived up to my every expectation. I'm always very excited when I see you, although I don't see you very much because yes. you're in and I'm here in Trinidad. But it's Fabulous, the, the impact that you have had and continue to have. Thank you for representing us in all of the spaces where we are not and continuing to work covertly to, to open the well, doors. It's for not us. so covert anymore, is it? <laughs> <laughs> not anymore, but that's all right. That's all yes, right. Yes, and, yes. and I'm very similar in that when somebody asks me to recommend somebody for something, it's, it's almost always oh, only yes. women. I was like, you know yes. what? You can find the men. Let yes. me recommend the women. That's and, right. and, and it That's is it. to open the doors so that we can get these extraordinary yeah. results that, that we know are possible for us yeah. as people. Yeah. And yes. that's why this is so important to me, because I think that we have such a bright future potential available to us, but only if we tap into all of the talents that we have, not if Absolutely. we just keep excluding half of the people or, or right. actually, yeah, it, it's not going to, it's not going to happen for us if, if, if half of the people only half of the people that are available are allowed in the room. Absolutely. That's my mantra as well. Thank you Wonderful. so much for having me, Raquel. It's lovely. It was my you. pleasure. Yes. Good seeing you too. Okay. All right, well, you keep well. Thank you. Okay. okay. Bye. Bye.